Welcome to the Physician Associate Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Physician Associate Podcast. My name is James. Today I'm joined by two guests. We have Bradley Sewell, who is a physician associate, and Dr. Massey, who's a consultant in sexual and reproductive health. Welcome, Dr. Massey. Thank you. Hello. Brilliant. And welcome to the show as well, Brad. Do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, where you trained, where you work? Um, so yeah, my name is Brad Sewell. I'm a physician associate. Um, I've been a PA um, for about six months now. I only qualified last year. Um, I spend my post actually split 50-50. Um, So I spend half of my week working in general practice um, in a rural part of Wales and the other half of my week is spent in sexual health and reproductive medicine uh, with Dr Massey and the sexual health team. So first question I had was really about how that post came together. Well I I had been contacted by another physician associate who wanted to to do coil training and this person was just so amazing to train <laughs> that I thought I want one of those. <laughs> At the time, I was clinical director, so I did have that um, ability to manage the budgets and things. There's the sort of, you know, when you're a clinical director, the whole thing is about workforce development. It's, it's a continuous struggle trying to stop doctors leaving and trying to appoint other suitable staff. So it seemed to me like the ideal thing to do was to appoint a physician associate. And is that what is that Amy Erinzella who you trained? Yeah, that was it. So listeners to the podcast can find an episode <laughs> with Amy um, on talking about that development and her coil fitting training um, on the feed as well. It's about uh, career development in contraception skills. So Amy impressed you so much that you thought, Oh, I'm going to have myself a physician associate into sexual health. <laughs> well, um, that was probably a flippant comment. I mean, Amy is an exceptional person. Um, but but I've been training people to fit coils for 30 years. Coil fitting is becoming a declining skill in doctors. And so the thing about training Amy was that she, she already knew so many things that I would have needed to teach other staff you know she already knew about what kind of things would she be looking for on a pelvic examination that would stop her wanting to fit coil um and she was already I suppose it was so easy to train her that she already knew whatever was needed and I just thought that that has to be the way to go you know I've often trained a sequence of junior doctors who would then move on after six months and the idea of having somebody who would stay for several years and be a consistent part of the team to develop some expertise really appealed to me as well. Brad, how did you meet Dr. Messi? How, how did that come about? Throughout my PA training, I tried to get um, sexual health experience where I could, um, little spoke placements, uh, shadowing STI clinics and that sort of thing. Um, and I actually tried banging on a lot of doors to see a PA could fit into the sexual health sort of service delivery. And it was when I actually um, discovered Amy Arizella, 
um, that she was able to connect me with Dr. Massey and um, you know say actually there is a sexual health service in Wales that would that would be interested in having a PA. So I guess Amy really I have a lot to thank for. I think that's the thing about being a PA, isn't it? Is there's lots of areas which PAs are still evolving in, and it's down to you as an individual to discover um, these things. And it's about asking questions and knocking on doors and. Um, luckily, my persistence paid off and I met Dr. Massey and, and the team and they've been really receptive to having a PA. I think for a lot of PA students, they may not get a, an awful lot of exposure to sexual health uh, during their two years of training. So for those of us who are a bit uninitiated into sexual health services, could you, Dr. Massey, just give us an overview of what this sexual health as a specialty covers? Well, I always feel very lucky to work in, in an Iron Bevan Health Board. Um, it is certainly the best job I've ever had. Um, I've worked in lots of sexual health services all over the world in the last 30 years, but this service is so broad and has so many facets to it that the thing that attracted me to the post was that there were so many things you could kind of rotate into. So we provide abortion care to the majority of patients you know a population of 500,000 we provide an abortion service a vasectomy service contraception STI testing and treatment HIV care and management we've got quite a large sexual health outreach service with youth workers so that we do get fairly heavily involved in um, sexual exploitation working with the police domestic violence um, one of the doctors works in on as a forensic medical examiner. I think in a lot of parts of the country, actually, sexual health services are quite narrow, and it wouldn't be unreasonable for physician associates to think that well, it's just about you know fitting coils or giving pills out or treating chlamydia. Not all services are as broad as we are. So, Brad, what does a typical day as a physician associate in sexual health look like? For you yeah so I think that's still an evolving question um, and will still evolve to be a question for a, a long time but um, the great thing about being a PA in sexual health is is sexual health is so broad and there's so many niches and sort of subspecialties within it that as a PA having that little bit of you know gyne teaching from your PA course um, the bit of mental health teaching, all of those aspects really give a solid foundation to a PA in sexual health. So I've been able to, I think, evolve fairly quickly from what I was expecting and I think from what my team was expecting. And, you know, I'm only six months in and um, already we've sort of planned this. So now one day a week is more contraceptive focused. Um, so uh, it's more around managing coil problems um, it's, I've just got my lateral competence to fit implants so that's going to be around um, fitting implants removing them giving advice around contraceptive problems and side effects and then the other day is more around GUM so that's around um, sort of a general clinic to do with symptoms relating to STIs and sexual health problems and um, that could be testicular pain it could be discharge it could be vi uh, vaginal bleeding pelvic pain rashes genital dermatoses there's lots that comes under the umbrella of it and so I've already got quite a broad remit to be playing with and there's lots of exciting scope for things in the future. I wonder whether when you're in your primary care role do you find that the skills that you have from your sexual health job come across as well are you able to help your GP colleagues 
with that sort of knowledge. Yeah, I think um, that's actually been a real benefit of my post being this 50-50 split is that um, already a lot of the sexual health stuff I'm starting to sort of see in the surgery. And that feels really great because it feels as though I'm helping out my GP colleagues. Um, And it also means that I can contribute the specialist skills that I'm gaining in a specialist sexual health service and implement that into primary care. And I think ultimately that benefits the patients. Yeah, we forgot to say as well that, you, you know, there's not many other specialties where you can generally have a laugh with most of your patients. So, you know, our patients are not going to not going to die. And, you know, some of the stories that you hear about what they've been up to is eye opening. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the, the great thing, though, that I've learned is that sexual health is a part of everybody, whether you know, there's somebody where sex sex is a massive part of their life or it's not in their life at all. Everybody has sexual health. And as PAs, I think having a foundation in your PA toolbox of sexual health to take in any setting and, you know, any medical environment, any healthcare environment is so important because it is integral to our health and well-being. It's not this sort of separate secret dark place that exists in um, small areas you know it should be influential throughout all of healthcare I think. So Brad do you want to tell us a little bit more about the diploma that you've just completed with the Faculty of Sexual and Reproductive Health? Yeah so um, the diploma the DFSRH um, is quite an extensive program of study um, that is now opened up to multi-professionals, including physician associates, which is brilliant. And what it involves is a number of elements uh, made up of a portfolio, which involves quite a lot of extensive e-learning, covering a range of topics from all the contraceptive elements, um, some basic STI elements, safeguarding, um, working with people with learning, disabilities, lots of components to that. Um, also patient feedback and some case-based discussions. There's also an online exam, which is like a multiple choice question-based examination online. There's also some clinical-based assessments. So there are similar to sort of mini KEXs, I guess, that PAs might be familiar with, but they're more prescriptive in what each scenario, each um, assessment is around. So it could be around um, unscheduled bleeding, for example. Um, And so you could pass or fail those assessments. Um, In the workplace, for example, Dr. Massey uh, assessed me with with those um, assessments. And then the other element is a half assessment day, which is made up of OSCE stations, which um, I have to say I found quite, quite challenging, quite intensive. Um, and also a written a written paper as well. So there's quite a lot to achieve. You get two years to do it. Um, I did it in six months, but I think that's probably down to the fact that I have the luxury of working in a sexual health service. And what it is, is it gives a really solid foundation. And as you said, James, I think we have so much to cram in into the two years that we do. And actually, this qualification for PAs in primary care, for example, would be really beneficial because it gives you that increased confidence to not only um, communicate sexual health consultations in general, but specifically around contraception and managing contraceptive care and problems 
Um, so it's been a real asset in my toolbox already, even in you know, a specialist sexual health service. So I think for primary care physician associates, I would really recommend it if sexual health is a, an area perhaps even that you want to lead the way with in, in your practice. Has there been any hesitancy or reluctance that you've picked up on Dr. Messi in, in introducing this new role of PAs into the world of sexual health? And how have you overcome any of those sort of difficult conversations or sticking points basically no (laughs) because once people have worked with brad they realize he is a bonus i mean everybody has just really embraced the idea Um, and i think we're quite happy with not knowing exactly where this role is going which is ideal at the moment as the the service has sort of concertinaed in and now it's going to open out again we don't really know where that's going to go and so it's an ideal opportunity for Brad's role to make its make its position known so now I've not had a lot of problem I think you've probably found that the nurses don't really know what to make of you do do they yeah the, the team have been um really receptive um in general which has been really encouraging joining um not only a new service as a PA as a newly qualified PA but also a specialty where PAs haven't really quite landed yet so there's it was quite vague going in and um, this has been a lot of trial and error and s- still continues to be an evolving process but yes sometimes I think when I first when I first arrived a lot of people must mistake me for a for a doctor um, and even after explaining you know I'm not a doctor um, but I work in the medical team there was that sort of lack of understanding of how a PA fits in which I think a lot of PAs experience but um, again I think it comes back to that PA philosophy of the career is what you make it and so when I first arrived I made it one of my first things to do was to create a presentation to send around to the staff of the PA role and what it is and what it isn't and I think that really helped people to sort of get some context of to how my role was going to work really but overall everyone was very receptive and I think that is the ethos of sexual health it is very MDT um, way of working and it is very open-minded I think as a as a specialty. So there hasn't you know there hasn't been anything yet really that that Brad's had thrown at him that he's not been able to pick up and run with so so I think probably we'd rather be a little bit cautious Um, but actually that caution has been unfounded because there's, there's absolutely nothing that we've thrown of him that he hasn't really known what to do with so it's it's worked out really well as a lack of uh, gmc regulation or an inability to prescribe hindered you as a physician associate so far um my personal take is that as a newly qualified pa actually having that luxury of protection from the supervisor um, whilst you're in that continuing to learn and consolidate your education I think it's actually quite a luxury to have, but I am starting to see already how um, it starts to become a barrier with time and with experience. And I think we are still as a service trying to figure out the best way to have a sort of fluid system around that. The nurses um, who are very autonomous in sexual health work off of PGDs, which obviously as PAs, we're not able to do that. So um, it comes back to the uh, PSD or patient specific prescribing from my supervisor. And so um, that does take time. But at the moment, as a newly qualified PA, I think that's 
more than appropriate and um, as I say actually a benefit to me whilst I'm studying this preliminary phrase I suppose but with time I think GMC regulation is needed to give this profession a boost so that we can really maximise the potential of the PA role. Would you, uh, Dr. Massey, would you have anything to add perhaps to a service manager or another consultant considering a PA who's a bit hesitant on the lack of regulation or the lack of prescribing rights? Very kind of narrow formulary of stuff that we refer to and prescribe on a regular basis anyway. And there's maybe one or two antibiotics that do have some unpleasant side effects. But I think it'd be, a, you know, if, if Brad could independently prescribe, that would just be the icing on the cake. Because as, as a guy in sexual health fitting coils, do you have any resistance or any reluctance from um, patients to let you do that as a guy? That's, that's a really interesting question. Um, so I think in my experience, what it ultimately comes down to is the communication side of it. I haven't had probably count on one hand in the you know the amount of patients that I see in sexual health every week I can probably count on one hand the number of patients that have asked not to see me because I'm a man um, and I think it comes down to being able to make the patient feel at ease get informed consent so actually explaining explicitly what's going to happen and the rationale for why it's going to happen and usually if you don't make them feel uncomfortable you don't make it into an embarrassing sort of thing the majority of the time people's anxiety does reduce Um, even if they're you can sort of see it in their eyes initially at the start of the consultation you know that sort of anxiety and that fear which is completely understandable but it's about that communication and I'd say that for the whole of sexual health actually you know the conversations we have don't happen routinely in other areas of medicine the sort of questions that we ask and so you've got to be a very able communicator and be able to relax people and be empathetic in a way that other specialties yes you have to be that but you have to do it in a different way in sexual health and so I think if you've got that skill the majority of the time it isn't a problem but ultimately it's about choice and I'm very for that and that goes for any circumstances it's empowering the patient to make a decision I think in summary I haven't really had any problems James to be honest brilliant thanks Brad that's great to hear what do you think the future holds for physician associates in sexual health I I think the the future for sexual health for physician associates is one that is will be down to physician associates I I think I've had a lot of interest actually from social media since obviously it being announced me being the first PA to complete the diploma a lot of PAs are interested saying you know oh it's great you work in sexual health I didn't know PAs could work in sexual health how would I go about that so there's clearly interest and what I hope is that I am I'm I'm hoping to do some work with the faculty and with Bash um, over time to hopefully try and raise the profile of the PA role. And now that there's this anecdotal evidence of me <laughs> being in the service and that it, it can work. And yes, my role is still evolving and it is a bit of a process at the moment for it to fully establish, but it's evidently working already. So I think the future is bright. There's so many avenues, you know, there's psychosexual medicine. There's there's loads of things that we haven't even had time to talk about that if a PA was interested in, I think would be more than suitable. So I think for any PA that's interested in sexual health, I would find your local service, email, 
say that you know there are PAs working in sexual health and certainly people can signpost to me if they want to um, to ask any questions. I've already had some meetings with some um, lead nurses elsewhere in the country who are interested. So um, I think it's just being brave enough to put yourself forward really. Because it, it's all about getting these services out into the into the community isn't it it's about accessibility uh, and if we can do that through physician associates i think that that's brilliant if anybody listening to this would like to get in touch or to reach out to you and find out a bit more about pas working in sexual health are you happy for them to get in in contact with you yeah brilliant i'll leave your contact details for people to find in the show notes of this episode so you can just scroll down on their screens and find you there thanks so much guys all right thank you And thanks to you for listening as well. I hope you found that really useful to find out a bit more about physician associates working in a new and novel, innovative new service. And like I said, I'll leave the contact details for Brad and Dr. Massey um, in the show notes below. If you'd like to get involved with the Physician Associate Podcast, you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter at PA Podcast UK. And I hope you join me again in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Physician Associate Podcast.